Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. In this episode, we sit down with guest Terry Prendergast, South Dakota Trusts and Estates and Trust Company attorney, to discuss what drives South Dakota's position as a top-tier jurisdiction. I'm David Warren, co-founder of Bridgeford Trust Company and president and CEO of Bridgeford Advisors. And I'm very excited to be with you today to launch uh, the first of many uh, podcasts that we're going to be producing um, around very important issues in the trust industry and wealth planning industry generally. And the, the format is to interview experts in the industry from across multiple disciplines uh, to bring you as much uh, timely and important information as we can relative to particularly trust planning, but but the options that are available now under modern trust laws that just were not available 15, 20 years, or even when I was in law school back in the 90s. Uh, and I'm very, very excited uh, to have as our first guest for our maiden voyage relative to our podcast, uh, attorney Terry Prendergast. Um, Terry Prendergast is uh, uh, really in many respects sort of a legend in South Dakota uh, trust law. Um, we found Terry early on as we were getting ready to uh, charter Bridgeford Trust Company, which uh, most of you know is a South Dakota trust company. And Terry led us through the process, got us our charter seamlessly, and from that moment on became very important to virtually all things Bridgeford. Um, we rely very heavily on Terry for his expertise and his knowledge, as do multiple trust companies in South Dakota uh, and attorneys uh, and, and other professionals, frankly, from not only around the United States, but uh, across the world. Uh, Terry is, is recognized as an expert um, on South Dakota law forming South Dakota trust companies. I think he's been involved in with the formation of, of the majority of them, um, which exceed 80, I believe. Terry will, will, will clarify that. And of course, working very closely with trust companies like Bridgeford to, to bring trust into South Dakota through various processes, including decanting. Um, Terry not only is, is invaluable to trust companies and advisors around the country and the world, but he's also had a extreme impact on South Dakota law. Um, having practiced for over 40 years in the industry, he was his expertise was recognized early on by the governor who placed him on uh, what is, I think, the only uh, um, group of its kind in the nation, something called a, a, a governor's trust task force, which makes recommendations and has made recommendations throughout the years to the legislature in South Dakota relative to um, suggested changes, uh, ways to keep South Dakota um, on the cutting edge of, of trust law, particularly around asset protection and privacy. And Terry has been involved with many of the laws that we're going to discuss today uh, in terms of having input and taking them to the legislature and has con- consistently and continues to consistently testify on behalf of really the whole trust association or the trust industry rather um, with respect to issues relating to how uh, South Dakota remains relevant and modern and, and in our view, really the top trust jurisdiction. Um, so, Terry, we are thrilled to have you here. Uh, not only it's been a pleasure working with you, but you're, you're agreeing to be our first guest uh, is really perfect, given how close we've become to you and how much we've relied on you and certainly your position in the industry. So with that, Terry, hello and welcome. Well, thank you, David. Uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity. 
Uh, Bridgeford Trust Company has uh, done great things in South Dakota, and uh, we like to think of uh, South Dakota as the top trust jurisdiction in the country. Uh, one correction, uh, we just chartered our 100th non-depository <laughs> trust you. company, so uh, you were about 20 trust companies behind, but uh, I think that there's reasons that maybe you and I can discuss that uh, trust companies want to come to South Dakota, that trusts want to come to South Dakota. Uh, and uh, for example, South Dakota has, uh, in starting in 2010, and every two years thereafter, 2012, 2014, 16, and 18, the Trusts and Estates magazine rates trust companies and rates trusts uh, among the states. And South Dakota has turned out to be the top tier trust jurisdiction in every one of those years. Um, I think it's primarily because of the way that we treat trusts and the trust industry uh, as you mentioned, we've the only state that's got the, a governor's trust task force, which for the last 19 years has proposed legislation that the legislature has gone along with to keep South Dakota at the uh, uh, at the forefront of uh, modern trusts and modern uh, uh, trust company regulation. We don't have a state income tax. Um, you know, we've got all the different bells and whistles decanting. Uh, we've got directed trusts. We've got uh, special things that only South Dakota has that I'm sure we'll discuss. And uh, the South Dakota Charter is really one of the uh, things that, that uh, trust companies strive for so that they can put their trusts in South Dakota. Uh, and it's a thing that uh, clients like because of all the advantages they have in a South Dakota trust. Um, but go ahead, David. Well, no, I absolutely, I'm glad you're hitting on all those topics. I think one of the things that had fascinated me early on, which brought us to you, was what you see in Trust in the States magazine and what you see by commentators like Steve Oceans, who can consistently put South Dakota as being the best um, decanting and um, and dynasty trust jurisdictions. But Terry, from your perspective, having been involved with this, you know, more so, certainly longer than I have, I mean, what is it that, that drives um, South Dakota's position as such a top tier trust jurisdiction that's been acknowledged by these different publications and commentators? Well, I'm going to start off David, with something that you probably don't think I'm going to say, but I think that uh, one thing that's really important when you're looking at a state to uh, have the uh, jurisdiction uh, for your trust is what is the business climate in the state? Uh, South Dakota has always had a budget surplus uh, or a balanced budget. That's in our constitution. We've had seven straight years of uh, year-end budget surpluses. Uh, that's why South Dakota 
has the most bank assets of any state in the country. We've got $3.1 trillion of bank assets. The banks aren't stupid. And the reason that they've come to South Dakota is the same reason that, oh, 24-7 Wall Street in uh, 2018 rated South Dakota the best state for business. And bank rate in 2018 rated us the best state to retire in. And uh, the uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, rates us, uh, the Institute for Legal Reform rates South Dakota the top state in the country uh, for uh, the uh, best place for legal reform and to do business in. Um, I, I guess the thing is, is that our state has a AAA credit rating. We don't have any income tax. We've eliminated all state liabilities. Our retirement system is 101% funded, which many states would love. And people ask me, well, Terry, why is that so important? Why do we care about that? We just want a place to put our trusts. But if you think about it, South Dakota has no income tax. We say that and we continuously say it. We've got no personal property tax. We're a state that that uh, it takes a two-thirds vote of each house of the legislature to, to even impose an additional tax and an additional uh, and an income tax. Why is that important? Why do I sound like a chamber of commerce? Well, the <laughs> issue is that if you put your trust in some other state that today has no income tax and they run into problems, maybe it's their pensions weren't 100% funded. And so they need to uh, find a uh, place to tax uh, to increase their budget or maybe... They're like Alaska was a few years ago, and they have an oil crisis, and uh, and they lose a tremendous amount of state revenue. Why is this important? Well, who are they going to look at? Are they going to look at their in-state people, or are they going to look at the rich people from out of state who put their trusts here, who don't vote for them, but who are an easy source of taxation. That's why it's important, because we've even seen this. Uh, a few years ago, Alaska, which has no income tax like South Dakota, uh, they proposed an income tax on out-of-state trusts. Uh, you don't want to put your trust in a place that does not have a solid business climate and a solid place where when we tell you all these advantages, that those advantages are going to be there today and tomorrow and 20 years from now and 100 years from now. And that's what South Dakota is. Well, that's excellent, Terry. And that's a great perspective and something that I often sort of take for granted, quite honestly, um, is the strength of, of, the, uh, of the state overall. You touched on something earlier, Terry, which we're pretty passionate about here at Bridgeford, as you know, is this concept of modern trust laws and how really they combine to deliver so much more really protection, direction, and control 
uh, to trusts and, and well, really more particularly to settlers of trusts and their advisors and, uh, and beneficiaries. And to me, that's probably one of the most exciting and dynamic aspects of, of what we do at Bridgeford. Can you talk about what, you, in your view, what are the most um, really compelling aspects of what I'm referring to as modern trust law that really deliver this kind of control uh, that, that is, in my view, really, and it's not too strong of a word, I think, revolutionized uh, the trust industry. So what do you think are the factors around that, Terry? Sure, uh, David. You know, a lot of us uh, remember the old days. I am... Uh, I'm a little older than you. Uh, you talked about the 90s. Uh, for me, college was in the 70s. But uh, I remember the old days. And of course, not many people had trusts. My parents didn't have any trusts. The trusts were for the uh, Rockefellers and the Kennedys. And what those type of trust companies would do is you'd go into the trust company. The people would sit around. The trustee would talk to the uh, people, the trustee would decide where all your money was going to be invested. The trustee would would uh, uh, visit with you. Uh, the trustee would decide all your uh, distributions of the trust, where they were going to be made, and would pretty much handle everything. But what the trustee would do is would charge you 125 basis points or 200 basis points or... 300 basis points of all the assets under management, and it was really a different era. What happened, and the big change that South Dakota got into uh, over 20 years ago, and, and what has happened in the industry is that the fiduciary duties are kind of like a bundle of sticks. Uh, the trustee used to hold the entire bundle, uh, that included the fiduciary duty of investments and the inve uh, fiduciary duty of custody and the fiduciary duty of distributions. And each of those sticks required the trustee to assume a certain amount of liability. But many folks who uh, gained their wealth, developed their wealth, and many of their advisors started saying, well, why should I have this trustee who doesn't have any experience with this family, doesn't know how they invested their money, doesn't have an idea of how they built their fortune, why should I uh, give up that right or, or transfer it to a trustee who doesn't have the expertise? And so they pulled out that stick and they said, uh, no, maybe we should have the investments handled by somebody else who's experienced and who's helped me build my fortune. Same with distributions. The trustee doesn't know the whole family dynamics and, and uh, doesn't understand exactly how the family may want to distribute uh, for the future and how the grantor may want to distribute for the future. And so they pulled out that stick, the distribution uh, trustee. And now each of those are, uh, are able to be handled by separate advisors uh, who direct the trustee and that hence directed trusts that gives flexibility 
and a tremendous cost savings because obviously if the trustee doesn't have to uh, hold all the bundle of sticks, the trustee is only responsible for perhaps administrative duties and custody duties, then the trustee doesn't have to charge me 300 basis points or even 125 basis points to hold my assets. And so what happens is South Dakota has passed an uh, provision that you can have an investment advisor in a directed trust structure that can direct the trustee as to all investments and all management powers that the trustee may have over those investments. South Dakota's provided for a distribution advisor that can direct the trustee with regard to discretionary distributions or even direct the trustee to maybe decant the trust into a, a different trust. And we'll talk about decanting in a little bit. And the, uh, South Dakota has allowed a trust protector which really can is is kind of like uh, an assistant grantor that can do a lot of things that are tax favored because the grantor has actually transferred the assets into the trust. But if he's named a trust protector, the trust protector can do things like amend the trust instrument to achieve tax savings or. Uh, increase or decrease the interest of any beneficiaries. In fact, the uh, grantor can say, I want my trust protector to be able to add individual beneficiaries from a class of beneficiaries. So I can say, listen, I don't know right now which one of my nieces or nephews is gonna need this money, but I grant the right to the trust protector to add any or all of my nieces or nephews uh, as beneficiaries under the trust. Number of things, veto or direct uh, trust distributions. And I think one of the biggest things is remove and appoint a trustee. And so what happens is that, you know, right now we're saying South Dakota is the best place in, in the world uh, for trusts, or at least I feel that way, but if during the course of events, maybe there is some crisis, maybe South Dakota does add a big income tax, maybe something comes down that none of us expect, the trust protector gives you the flexibility to now change that trust from a South Dakota trust to an Idaho trust or a New Mexico trust or whatever uh, you, you want to do. And finally, South Dakota is one of the few states that has added a family advisor. And what a family advisor is, I call it a trust protector light, David, because they have very few powers, but they're all exercised in a non-fiduciary capacity. So they can tell the trustee to provide notice or not provide notice to qualified beneficiaries they can remove or appoint a trustee, and they can appoint a successor trust protector or successor family advisor, and then they can attend meetings. So the family advisor is one that does this all in a non-fiduciary capacity and uh, is allowed to, uh, to make uh, these uh, 
suggestions or or changes to the trustee, uh, and it doesn't go as far as a true trust protector, but it certainly is uh, great flexibility uh, in the uh, uh, trust laws. There's one other thing that I want to uh, just touch on, and that is the uh, thing called decanting. Now, well, you know, Terry, before before we get there, just a couple of quick yeah. questions. If that's right. I don't mean to interrupt you because we're hitting on some really, really important points. And I, I think what you have described is excellent in terms of how these three different concepts, the directed trust, the trust protector and family advisor, sort of deliver so much control that never really existed before. And and, and I think that that's, again, has revolutionized the trust industry. And that was going to be the question. You know, what we have are, are lots of trusts that don't have this these these, these powerful provisions in them. And, and as you and I know, there's there's a way to, to modernize these trusts or as been referred to as breathe new life into these trusts. So, yeah, I would love for you to talk about, excuse me, decanting because I think that um, all of this goes to the um, idea of how flexible modern trust law is, but really decanting in many respects, the way I look at it is sort of the, the backbone of how we, how we modernize these trusts. So Terry, if you could talk about that as, as, you know, sort of a, as a separate topic, but talk about how we, like the process of how we modernize these trusts. Right. Uh, David, what happens is that there's a lot of old trusts out there now that we work with uh, advisors to help migrate to South Dakota, uh, and they can either be modified or decanted. Um, modification is essentially uh, making any change in the trust, and uh, if we can get consent of all the beneficiaries or the uh, contingent beneficiaries or minor beneficiaries through right of representation. Uh, we've got some of the top virtual representation laws in the, uh, in the country, and it allows us to modify or change certain provisions of the trust. Um, you know, there's various uh, examples of things that you can do uh, with these modifications. Uh, also, we don't have to go to court to do that, although many times we like to go to court because South Dakota courts are very, very uh, knowledgeable about trusts and obviously with uh, the largest number of trust companies of any state in the country, uh, they've, they've had to be uh, but they're also very flexible, and they understand uh, South Dakota law. Uh, I tell the story of my favorite uh, time is that uh, in the fiscal cliff of uh, December 2012, I had a client who needed a modification made before the end of the year. Uh, and on December 31st, the FedEx gentleman came in with the package that had the final signed documents from him at 10.30 that morning, and by noon, uh, there was a judge in South Dakota that I'd found that uh, would be able to sign the order, so we had our order by noon after 90 minutes, and in fact, that judge sent out an email to all the trust and estates bar that said that he would be in his home. Here was his cell number. 
if anybody needed any orders signed before midnight on December 31st, just call him on his cell phone and come to his house and he'd sign them. Uh, that's the type of uh, judicial uh, attitude we have in South Dakota. But you're talking about old trusts migrating and decanting is a, uh, South Dakota has been rated the top decanting jurisdiction in the country. Essentially what it is, it's drafting a new second trust and pouring the first trust into it. And so long as you do not add beneficiaries, uh, you can do that in South Dakota. Now you can take away beneficiaries. So if I have a trust that says uh, to uh, my son and my daughter, and uh, I get mad at my son, or I decide that my son doesn't need the benefit anymore, um, I can modify that trust in a decant to just give to my daughter, but I can't add on my cousin um, in a decant. Uh, but we work a lot with uh, consul uh, and advisors to move old trust to South Dakota and modify or decant them. Um, it can help accelerate beneficiaries. You can split trusts. Uh, maybe you want to keep the assets in a trust. A lot of these older trusts wanted to distribute at age 25 or at age 30. Mm -hmm. And many times the people now would rather keep their assets in trust until they're 40 or 45. They don't want the distribution. Perhaps they've got creditor problems or something, right. and they want to keep the assets in trust uh, for an asset protection provision. Uh, sure, just a, just a quick question on decanting, not to, not to interrupt you, but I, I wanted to touch on this point and get, get your thoughts. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that South Dakota is the only state, um, the canting statute, that does not have a, a notice requirement <clears throat> to beneficiaries to do a decant. Um, first of all, my, is that accurate? And second of all, what are your thoughts about that? And, and how, how do you approach that with, with attorneys around the country? I'm, uh, uh, I believe that there may be a few other states now who have added that. South Dakota does not require notice, but I would always give notice, David, because what I'm concerned about, uh, it, it's very easy to give notice under South Dakota law. There's also uh, virtual representation provisions. But in my example, I'm concerned if I cut out my son and never give him notice that there's, uh, that he later on could come back and say, well, the trustee shouldn't have participated in something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I always urge notice to be given unless it's just something like we're going to change the name of the trust from the Terry Prendergast trust to the Terry P trust or something, you know, something that's very inconsequential sure. can be done. The best way to get something done is to have, an agreement of the beneficiaries. If you can't get that, you may have to give notice and go to court and have the judge decide what the uh, appropriate changes would be. And uh, last resort, 
and it does expose some liability, I believe, is if you don't give notice. I appreciate that. And I, I, you know, frankly, Terry, we get that question a lot and that's, that's, that's very good perspective. You know, in Um, the context, in the con, I'm sorry, I was just going to ask you a question about a different topic, but please continue. Yeah, I I was going to just mention uh, many times there's a question as well at the initiation of a trust, uh, whether the grantor was competent or uh, whether there's an, an issue if he doesn't uh, bestow a, uh, his his wealth like some folks uh, would like him to. And South Dakota is one of the few states that also has a procedure for uh, trust validation before uh, the grantor's death. The big problem with these is if they're ever challenged for undue influence or or incompetence, they're usually challenged after the grantor's death. But in South Dakota, the grantor can notify the beneficiaries and give them 60 days to challenge the trust while he's alive if he anticipates that there's going to be potential of family discord or dysfunction. That allows uh, the court, if there is a challenge, to interview the grantor while he's alive and validate the trust. And South Dakota is one of the few states that have that. So, again, flexibility is a great part of these uh, modern trust laws, and South Dakota is, is a top state for flexibility. Thank you all for joining us for part one of my interview with Terry Prendergast, which was clearly very interesting. And we look forward to releasing part two of my interview with Terry Prendergast in the near future. Uh, please feel free to go to our website at bridgefordtrust.com for information about when that uh, podcast will be released, as well as uh, upcoming webinars and, and additional blog posts. Uh, we appreciate your participation in our first of many uh, podcasts. Uh, we're excited about um, producing relevant content and information and interviewing experts in industry to pass along information to you and to your clients to help you stay modern and relevant and um, able to be the best advisors you can going forward. So thank you again for your participation, and we look forward to part two. Thanks again for listening to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. For more information, visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com. 